This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. Welcome to Thrive Perspectives, Matthew and DJ here. And Matt, Mm. this is by far our most requested topic. Mm. When I've I've gone out there with Thrive Perspectives and I've said to multiple different groups of people, different ages, different backgrounds, and said, "What do you want?" Here's the here's the you know the boundaries of Thrive Perspectives. This is the goal. What do you want us to talk about? Yeah. The number one. There's three topics that come up around this: sex, gender, and sexuality. Okay. Yeah. All right. And all the myriad mm. questions around that. So in light of that, this is where we're going to head to on today's mm. episode. I just wanted to say something right up front. If you do listen to Thrive Perspectives with the family, if you've got younger kids and you want to avoid certain questions that you don't think is appropriate for them now, because we're going to be talking about a lot of things around those three things. Mm. So it might be an episode that you listen to first before it's appropriate for other people. Good. That's the well setup, done. Matt. That's the setup. Well done. Good hosting. Good hosting, DJ. <laughs> now I've got pay, I've got notes in front of me yeah. for this one. Wow. I, you know, you are the host with the most today. <laughs> I have got. I've even got pictures, diagrams, all sorts of stuff. And I want to say right at the beginning. And I know Matt, you've you've been doing some you know excellent study on this. <clears throat> when I say and I and I have had a handful of people. And I, and I need to be really careful how I do this, so careful that I've asked the people who've asked questions to give me pseudonyms okay. because they've said one of them didn't mind their name out there, but I, I but okay. all the others said it would like a pseudonym. So we've got Bob, Mary, Ruth, Nigel and Sarah have mm-hmm. asked these questions and the, all questions around, and I can sum it up, is how does the church respond to this area that is so politicised and argued about and fought about in the year 2020, sex, gender, identity, sexual attraction, all this stuff, it's a Mm. massive minefield Mm. and I think it's a bit of minefield for us to even be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in summary, and and we'll go into further detail, uh, in summary, we need to deal with this issue in a way that is... Loving, gracious, and truthful. Amen. Uh, so we don't want to compromise any of those things. Because we have ideals. This is the thing about the Christian worldview. Um, we have ideals. Uh, there, is, there is a sense that God created things to be a certain way. Okay, So that's a very important aspect of the Christian worldview. Yes. And it's the thing that can tend to get lost a little in this. But also... Part of the Christian worldview is that things are not the way that they are meant to be. Mm. Um, and with that comes the fact that to be a Christian means to enter a process of constant change. Mm-hmm. So so when I become a Christian, anyone can become a Christian as long as you're up for everything to change. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's like amen. anyone, anyone can in, become a Christian. In particular, the things that you hold most dearest into you, who you are. Everything's got to change, yeah. right? Because 
we we embrace a life of transformation towards the ideals of what God created us to be. Okay, Amen. so th- those are important elements of the Christian worldview um, that get lost in you know conversations around you know do we affirm this or affirm that? Well, we we affirm uh, we affirm the ideals uh, of our worldview. Yes, um, and we affirm love and grace for people to work through and towards those ideals. Uh, it's really important that we do deal lovingly and graciously, and I know I'm going to just continue to hammer forth that point because sometimes people can stand up for tr- what you know they see as the truth mm-hmm. in a way that isn't loving and gracious. Mm. And actually the irony there is that we have betrayed the very truth that we're standing up for when we don't do it loving yeah. and graciously. Yeah. Um, but, but, we're but, gonna, the, but we're not going to dance around the issue. We'll make it very clear what that what those ideals are. That's great because one of, one of one of the requests that we had from Bob was please Matthew and DJ I love the podcast. Do not dance around this topic. Oh, yeah, there's no way. There's, there, of course, yeah, we're not going to do that. And and um, so I guess that the place that I want to start, though, is to address the issue of even talking about these things in right. our society today. This is problematic because there is um, there is an approach to this issue, and, and this is um, – and right up the front I'm going to recommend a book that deals with the complexity of dialogue around this issue within our society. Okay. And it's a book called The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. Okay. Mm. Now, Douglas Murray, he's uh, not a Christian. He's actually a gay man. And he's dealing with the problem of dialogue around this issue. Um, in his uh, – he, he de- deals with the fact that um, there is – the dominant approach to this issue is that you're not even allowed to talk about it. That even talking about mm-hmm. the the um, the position that is accepted as orthodox in our society. And in fact, he opens up his book with a a quote from G.K. Chesterton. Um, it's a great quote, which says this: "The special mark of the modern world is not that it is sceptical, but that it is dogmatic without knowing it." Mm. And there is a dogmatism around this issue that if you express a contrary opinion in any way, mm. you will be absolutely ostracised, socially ostracised, shamed publicly. Uh, you know, now um, that can that has in the past happened the other way as well. Yes, uh, of course, we want to acknowledge that. And, and it's funny, right now, people from a conservative church background are going to be listening, saying, agreeing with us, saying. You know, yes, we sh- you know we don't talk about these issues because you would be shamed to bring them up. Yeah, <clears throat> people who are living in twenty twenty in a modern secular environment are going, yeah, you're shamed if you bring them up and you do not agree yeah. with the other side that's of the right. coin. Yeah, that's right. Now, part of the problem here is that this is often br- this is often brought up in a way that is not sensitive. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that lacks um, discretion and tact. Yes. Let me put it that way. Yep. And we've had situations in our own, uh, in Australia, where that's been the case and it's caused uh, issues. Now, having said that, the media um, loves to confirm stereotypes. Yeah. So they will always cover the things that sound the most insensitive and because yeah. 
uh, media works off sensationalism. So we welcome all the journalists in the future who are going to be listening to this episode for the sound bites for Matt and DJ in the future to take us down. Like this, welcome to the episode. Hopefully, you don't get anything that can you can misconstrue here. Um, yeah. So, so this is now um, Douglas Murray gives this uh, example of. Um, uh, someone called Michael Davidson who had come to national attention in Britain um, when he was invited as a guest uh, on a, um, a TV show called Good Morning Britain. And I'm going to – it was basically um, to discuss the issue of homosexuality and so forth. And he, Is he, this the vicar who was – I think I've seen this clip. And Sorry, sorry, continue. Um, uh, no, okay. no, actually uh, he, he, he just was someone who held a – position contrary to the orthodox, the socially orthodox yep. uh, position. Okay. And so let me just read this paragraph from Douglas Murray's uh, book, The Madness of Crowds. Uh, when challenged about all this on national television, Davidson calmly and politely makes it clear that he thinks homosexuality, homosexuality is a kind of aberration and specifically that it is a learned behaviour. Now, again, whether it's a learned behaviour, you know, I, I'm even there, that's a controversial issue. I think even amongst Christians and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Or even the word that you want to put to it. But that my point is that that's the way that he put it. Yes. Okay. Uh, asked whether it can be unlearned, he claims that in some cases it is reversible for people who want to make that trajectory out of their lives. Mm. Okay. So he thinks that it, it can be changed. Uh, Dr. Davidson managed to get this out before his main interviewer denounced him to the others present in the studio. Do you know what we call these people, Dr. Michael? Piers Morgan asked. We call them horrible little bigots in the modern world, just, uh, just bigoted people who actually talk complete claptrap and are, in my view, a malevolent and dangerous part of our society. Now, remember, you know, he, he hasn't even said much at this stage. Mm -hmm. What's the matter with you? How can you think that nobody's born gay and that they all get... Now, there's also no evidence uh, for that, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that is the socially orthodox position, mm -hmm. even though there's no uh, evidence for that. Uh, and they all get corrupted and they all be cured. Who are you to, uh, to say such garbage? Okay, a relatively unflustered Davidson asked Morgan for evidence that people are born gay, pointing to that pointing out that neither the American Psychological Association nor the Royal College of Psychiatrists believe that homosexuality is innate and unchangeable, at which point his interviewer ordered him to stop talking for a moment and stop banging on about wacky-backy scientists in America. Morgan then continued uh, to shout at his guest, shut up, you bigot, before he brought the whole interview to a close with the words, I've had enough of him. Mm. And finally said, Dr. Michael, shut up. Now, well, uh, and, uh, and just for those who are interested, I'll, I know that YouTube clip. I've watched right, okay. it. I'll find it and put it in the show yep. notes. You can watch it anyway, for yourself. Douglas Murray's point. Now, he he, he isn't just um, drawing. I mean, he, he's basically using that example to highlight how dialogue around this issue gets shut down. Now, I really want to emphasise here. It's important that we are sensitive in the in the way that we approach this issue. Amen. And and. So let's take that as a given, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but we still need to actually be able to talk about this. Yes. Okay. Whether whether or not we share um, this, you know, um, Davidson's perspective, uh, and again, we'll 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 talk about our perspective. What I believe is a, is a biblical perspective in a moment. 
but we've got to be able to have the dialogue. Now, one of the things that happens when um, when people express a contrary position um, is what uh, Douglas Murray refers to as catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. This is when people say your opinion is causing people to commit suicide. Yeah. So even just thinking the contents of your mind and your and even just saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, look, act- I don't actually agree. I think that this is whatever," is uh, seen to be causing people to commit suicide. That is, you know, I mean, Douglas Murray goes into that says absolutely no uh, evidence. Uh, for that, it is a classic case of catastrophizing. Yes, okay, especially, and justifying a complete shutdown of the whole conversation, especially around these topics, yeah, of sexuality, because there is a higher, uh, statistically, rate of self harm, mm. suicide, abuse in amongst. That's right. Yeah, this yeah, that's area. right. There's no doubt so, about that. That's so as right, soon yeah. as you start bringing it up, you are the reason. Yeah, why you it are the reason because for you that. want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and, and the link yes. has been unproven. It's well, yeah. not only unproven, it's totally not yeah. not I there. mean it is it is true that there is that, that there are those higher rates and yes. I think we need to approach that with a sense of real compassion. Yes. This is why we need to be uh, gracious, compassionate and loving when we approach all the more reason why. But the latest studies and again I just we're just going down a little yeah, side yeah. tangent here. The latest studies which surprised everybody are those people who would claim any any sexuality out of you know the you know the you know mm. the normal yep. straight sexuality yep. whether that's trans homosexual lesbian anything like that the people who had the most accepting communities around them yeah were those in a christian home that's the latest okay. studies they they were 40% higher in their happiness scale than those who were you know, and yeah, the, I know. so self harm and stuff like that was least in the right. Christian community, well, and and of course the stereotype, of course yes, the media, exactly uh, the media promulgated stereotype is that of you know correction yes. camps, and you yes. go to these ca- and and you get sort of whipped into yeah. into show. I, I, I've never even, I mean, I didn't even. I, I've right. been in the Christian was, church. You know, I've been to thousands of Christian churches around yeah. and I've never encountered anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure it does happen yes. uh, and it has happened in the past but not in any of the mainstream evangelical churches that I've ever visited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, the, the other thing that I want to uh, talk about is the, the connection between ethics and politics because um, this issue is enormously uh, politicised. Um, uh, in fact... Uh, yeah, look, our what we think is right and wrong is different from what we think uh, should be legal and illegal. Let me give you an example. Great. I believe, and this is an uncontroversial theological point, okay. that um, that the greatest issue with us as human beings is independence and autonomy for God, living without God. Yeah. Okay, no, living in defiance of God's claim on us is actually the primary core spiritual issue. Yeah. I think we harm ourselves. I think we harm others. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think it's wrong. I think I do not believe human beings should live without God and in mm-hmm. defiance of God, mm-hmm. but I don't think it should be illegal. Yeah. Okay, I don't think that atheism, for example, should be illegal. I think it. I think yes, I think it does harm. Yeah. Um, but uh, so. That's an example of where something that I believe, in fact, is the biggest 
problem of all should not necessarily then be illegal. Yeah, the core of your spiritual worldview is, you know, that, that, you know, man's wrong relationship to God. Yeah. That's how you, you know, you see good and bad, evil, the world, everything like that. It's not going to be legislated and brought in in front of a bill or anything like that in front of the government. Yeah. So that's right. So so the step from uh, um, we believe this is wrong to we believe this should be illegal, that's a very, very big step and we need to be very, very careful so, about that. So in light of that, I, I really want to reiterate, if you were expecting Matt and I today to get into anything to do with a political opinion or a legal opinion, mm. we are not interested in that at all because, to be honest with you, I am of the growing conviction every day that politics is just a distraction from what is really important. Yeah. And what is really important is exactly what you just said, our relationship to God, you know, and the people around us. That's right. Know, type of thing. The politicisation of this issue came to uh, prominence um, during the last lot of elections in America because there was a very prominent uh, a gay man, Peter Thiel, who took the stage in the and, and gave vocal support for the Republicans. Yes. And uh, the, you know, that, that uh, it was covered by a, um, in the gay press. And I'll just read you, if I may, another paragraph in um, uh, from the Madness of Crowds. Um, America's foremost gay magazine, uh, The Advocate, attacked Teal in a long and curious piece consisting of an excommunication from the gay community. Mm. The title read, Peter Teal shows us there's a difference between gay sex and gay. The sub-banner on the 1,300-word piece by a um, certain person here, or you can read this for yourself, asked when, uh, asked, when you abandon numerous aspects of queer identity, are you still LGBT? While Downs conceded that Teal is a man who has sex with other men, he questioned whether he was in any other way actually gay. Mm. That question might seem narrow, the author admitted, but it is actually it actually raises a broad and crucial distinction we must make in our notions of sexuality, identity, and community. After um, poo-pooing those who had hailed Teal's speech as any kind of watershed moment, let alone progress, Downs denounced. Uh, pronounced his anathema. Teal is an example of a man who has sex with other men but not a gay man wow. because he does not embrace the struggle of people to embrace their distinctive identity. Okay. So you can see this, how much, how politicised oh. this issue actually has become. Not, not just politicised, this is the only, we're going to get right off politics right now because, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a little bit of that culture around it because hearkening back to the Chesterton quote that you had, you know, just before... Mm. The most religious people I know, the most church mommy people I know who believe that there's a wrong and a right and you will be discommunicated if you do not agree with me. Yeah, excommunicated, yeah. Ex- yeah, sorry, excommunicated. Yeah. If you do not agree with me, are the people who are the most progressively woke and know everything yeah. about gay, trans, and everything. Yeah. If you do not use the right words, if you do not hold the right opinions, if you do not believe what I believe, you are not woke and you are excommunicated. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the woke movement is um, it's an interesting one. And, and uh, Douglas Murray does address that. He's, by, by the way, very prominent uh, in, uh, intellectual, public yes. intellectual. And, and um, you know, he, he uses a, a number of cases where, for example, he gives an example of um, when he talks about 
a race. In fact, in one case, he talks about a scientist that did studies in genetics that didn't come up with the orthodox mm. position, that didn't confirm the orthodox position. Mm. And there were massive protests outside his office. He was driven outside the, you know, absolutely yeah. uh, ended up having to leave the university because, again, he didn't confirm the orthodox uh, position. Um, and, you know, and, and that's, and this guy wasn't a racist or, yeah. or, or anything like that. But None. I mean, um, Douglas Murray's point is that when it comes to uh, race, gender and uh, sexuality. sexuality, that we need to be able to have dialogue over these things to mm. actually get somewhere with this. And, and the sad thing about the culture that is coming up around us, media, universities, education and politics is all saying, no, this is the agreed consensus. If you do not agree <laughs> with us, you're anathema. You are... Yep. You know, you yeah, can't and remember any- this. Yeah, that's right. And this isn't a book. This coming from a Christian. No, not at all. Written, as I said. No. So the the other problematic thing is the relationship between sexual sexuality and identity. Mm. This is also this was already something that the uh, postmodernist philosopher Michael Foucault, uh, French philosopher, actually pointed out back in the I don't know the sixties or seventies. Mm. The problem with. Um, uh, creating this hard, fast identity of myself in terms of my sexuality. Yes. He recognised that that was a completely artificial thing and yep. and that we should not – that basing our identity on desires which themselves are very fluid mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is, uh, is very problematic. Exactly. And I think um, – I think this is an important thing that our identity is much deeper than our sexuality and yet um, one of the problems in our society today is that we, we're all sex mad. Uh, it's such a sexually oriented uh, society and we people do tend to um, identify themselves in terms of their yeah. In terms of their sexuality, and and I just think we need to go deeper than that. Yeah. Well, let, let, I want to before we go to a break. I want to I want to lay out some ground rules because I know we've got a lot of different people listening from different generations, different backgrounds, younger, older, all that type of stuff. So I want to sort of give you know, and this was an experience that I had, you know, about five six years ago. I was doing a podcast, and I've done lots of different podcasts, and. I had a wonderful podcast, uh, you know, that I did with a with a dear, dear friend of mine who's still a dear friend of mine. Uh, big shout out to the wonderful Kate. Mm. And Kate is a communist, atheist, non-believer, you know, mm. swears like a trooper, you know, type of thing. And we had a podcast, It's you can't really find it now, called Burns and Pain. Mm. Her last name, Burns, my last name, Pain. And we did an episode. We and it was it was basically a philosophy podcast or cultural yeah, podcast yeah. where she would throw questions out there. Or I would throw questions, and we'd sort of wrestle through it. Yeah. You know, her usually swearing at me a lot for being a you know archaic white yeah, man yeah. Christian. You know, <laughs> the problem with everything, the patriarchy. You know, um, you know. Uh, so and her being you know just a you know hardcore feminist. And we did an episode where we interviewed uh, a couple of, uh, you know, friends of ours, one a particular dear friend who had recently, um, you know, transitioned from, from you know, birth being born a male to identifying as female. Mm. And that blew, that episode blew my mind because th- that was the first mm. time that I, in my traditional worldview, I'd never heard of cis male before mm. and all that type yeah. of stuff. And they basically educated me on that episode and, and it, it, mm. it blew my mind. So I was sort of want to outlay the, the way that the modern younger generations view this whole area of life because 
up until a few years ago, I didn't look at the world through this. Yeah. And I think it'd be interesting to sort of lay those groundwork as we go forward. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing is that they, they sort of split up this whole universe into three separate areas, sex, gender and sexuality. Sex being obviously uh, what you're determined as, usually medically in the past it's been external genitalia, your internal sex organs and your X and Y chromosomes. That's what people would be determined as their sex. And so we know that, you know, from the the male and, you know, from the parents (coughs) we get different chromosomes and you either have XX or XY um, and you are born a certain gender. Now, right up until today... 99% 99% of people born are determined to be the gender that they are seen to be mm. and and 99% of the times the gender that you see on the outside matches up with the physicality on the inside. Yep. Not always. Yep. There is a, a tiny percentage of people who are born with indeterminate sex either on the outside mm. or yep. on the inside, right? So, uh, you know... Um, and, and, you know... I mean that that's very consistent with a Christian worldview because again, you know we we don't live in an ideal world where where everything is where there are no complexities yeah. and, and issues. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so uh, there is uh, you know so sometimes you are either born with ambiguous genitalia, uh, you could be born with the correct external genitalia, but internally um, there is a mismatch and all this different stuff. There is different conditions where. Uh, people present or are born in a you know physically in a way, and you can you can have different chromosomes. So there's a complexity mm. here um, where the, you know you you could you could have uh, you know that's the sex that you are. So uh, and then there's also a term called intersex with individuals who either have a combination a combination of the genitalia, uh, a combination of internal and anatomy, the chromosomes don't completely fit into the complete boxes. Okay, so that's the I in LGBTQI. Yes, intersex. Now the problem with all of and again I need to say right at the beginning everything that I'm about to say is a minefield because it might be acceptable today for me to use any of these terms tomorrow. Yeah. It could be totally yep. parochial and, uh, you know, hate speech yep. tomorrow according, according yep. to the consensus. So I, I go into that minefield going, okay, this is yeah. this. And, again, all this information that I'm getting from is from the uh, Stanford University. Yeah. From the top, you know, uh, Eric Strong, clinical associate professor of medicine. Uh, this is from the National LGBT Health Education Center. This is from the, you know, United Nations yeah. gender. You know, all this information I've got from them. Yeah. Right. So this is not stuff that I've made up. Yeah. Okay. So there we have number one is sex. What sex physically you yeah. are. Yeah. Right. Next is gender. Now, for traditionally. You would go, oh, gender, well, you're born, you know, that's it. Yeah. But no, not anymore. Gender identity is one, is a person's inherent sense of being. And this could be completely different mm-hmm. to how you present sexually as yeah. your, the physical being. Yeah. So you could be, you could have a gender of a man, a woman, you could be gendered both, you could have neither, you could be somewhere in the middle, and you could have another gender that you've made up altogether. All yeah. right. I the Stanford uh, position of this literally, and I'll put the video where mm. you can get a lot of this information at the end. That the top health professional says there is as many genders and sexual orientations 
as there are living human beings in the world. Right. There okay. is no, you cannot define them. Wow. Okay. And I'm like, okay, all right, there we go. So, uh, mm. gender, so this phrase that you would hear of cisgender, that's what modern professionals mm. use as a person's gender identity. What you identify mm. as is being the same thing as the sex you are assigned at birth. Okay. Yeah. So transgender is different from that. Transgender is a person's gender identity is different to the person that the, the you know different to the sex you've been assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. You might be non-binary. Now you might also be gender queer, meaning that the gender identity that you have does not conform to a traditional binary you know thing. It can it can okay. change and it yeah. can swim. Gender fluid is the is the uh, you know the other you know area that you talk about this? Yep. it's not fixed. You can it can varies with time or the situation. So uh, gender, and it, they so this is what the professionals believe. It is gender, not sex, not the sex that mm. you were born in, that usually determines what pronouns and how you want to identify in the world. Okay. So you've heard a lot about pronouns, you know, and that's a, yep. getting into a political type of discussion that we want, yep. don't want to go down there. Uh, gender expression is a part of this, the gender, now this is where, this is, again, I know I've lost some people already yeah, and I'm yeah. forgiving you. No, that's here. okay. That's good. Yeah. Gender expression is a subclause under this okay. that says that the gender that you as an individual want to present to the world might be different to the gender that you identify internally and also to the sex that you were born right. in. Yeah, okay. So we're now getting into granular things. Lastly, Sexual orientation. So we've had sex, the physicality. We've had gender, what you identify as, and now we get into sexual orientation. Sexual orientation traditionally has been, you know, heterosexual, but people don't even want to use those terms anymore. Uh, You've either got what is colloquially, you know, the the common man says you're either straight, Mm -hmm. you know, what some people would call normal, (laughs) mathematically 97 to 98% of the world, Straight, you're you you are born a male. You gender identify as a male, and you're attracted to the opposite sex. Mm. And the same, you know, reverse there. Or you could be gay or lesbian. You are you identify in what you are. You know, sex, the sex you were born in. You identify as that, yeah. but you are attracted to the same sex. Yeah, that's gay or lesbian. You could be bisexual. You're attracted to both. You could be pansexual attracted to everything, you know, in any presenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you could be what is a growing movement amongst young people. This is all too hard. I am asexual. I right. do not identify as anything. I'm not as sexually attracted to anything. I'm okay. a, you know, type yeah. of thing. Sexual orientation is is what we're talking about now. A person's gender is separate from their sexual orientation and one cannot be inferred from the other. Yeah. Sexual behavior is different again to sexual orientation. Mm. So saying that that and and that actually is an important distinction I yes. think when we as we think through the ethics uh, that we do make a distinction between the behavior and the orientation. Mm. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Sexual behavior refers <laughs> to how modern professionals in the world thinks of uh, the the people with whom an individual has sexual relationships with. Sexual attraction and sexual behaviour are usually the same, but they don't need to be. Okay. So, again, we're breaking it down even further. Uh, 
you, you know, your your sexual identity is how you view your own sexual orientation. So you might, so if we go down the pathway, you might be born as one thing, you might identify as something completely different, mm-hmm. you might then be sexually attracted to one particular, yep. gen, you know, present yep. presentation over here, but you might decide to have sex with. Yeah. Something completely different. Yeah. So it breaks down. And then we also get... This is good because it's making sense of a lot of... The question Really, in order to enter the dialogue, it's important to understand that because there has been so much, uh, so much talk about this kind of thing, yes. it helps us to understand these terms I, and understand what's being said. I, 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 th- I, I think so. Look, it's a 12-minute it's a video that Stanford and this, and this uh, doctor has put out. I have to say that the first three minutes of of it is him qualifying and tri- like trigger warning everybody for about three minutes, and yeah. then it actually gets into about you know a good eight minutes of all of this information, and then uh, there's a sub thing under sexuality about romance. You might romantically identify as this, oh, okay. and again, and again, it gets my point with this is it gets fractured and fractured and fractured and fractured. A trans and the thing that you know that that really sort of made sense for me around all of this is that I just naturally assumed when I met someone who was trans that they wanted to transition physically yep. into another. Well, that was a that's an archaic idea, you know, because a, a, a friend of mine who was born the sex of a male now identifies as female but will is, is not interested in physically having anything change, yeah. he is, sorry, she is yeah. a female with the sexual organs of a male yeah. who's attracted to other females. That's right. So f- for me, those distinctions, again, that's really helpful actually because it helps us to understand yeah. the um, the language that's being used around this. And, and that's in a sense the language itself is um, – Amoral in the sense that it's it's just a language that is developed to identify certain distinctions yes. within people's experiences. It's not necessarily v- validating no. that, or it's it you know because and I think I think that's what language is for. Language is about making distinctions. So your distinction between this level and this level and this level and this level, well, that people experience those things, and so we have a language for that, and so we should. Now again. Uh, the, the ethical discussion is a different uh, is a different discussion from Completely. just the the language that we use around this. But that was really actually helpful. Well, I, I, I wanted to set that up, and again, and the final part of this is, and again, I have you have to watch the video, and all the videos around this around this subject is is preference in the sense that we apologise for anybody who is going to be triggered by any of this language because what one person identify with could be yeah, totally yeah. triggering for someone else. <clears throat> and for a lot of younger people these days, they just want to put a blanket on all of it and say, we're queer. queer. Yeah. Now, my gener- our generation, queer was a derogatory word. If you, that, yeah. was a, that was a slur thrown out. Yeah. But, but the younger generation, we're talking you know, millennials and younger, have taken that mantle up and said... All of this lifestyle, I, I identify as queer. And that is a massive blanket yeah. statement to saying that covers it all. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Now, by understanding all of that or trying to understand of that, again, we really need to make a line in the sand that's saying that as Christians who are looking at the world, I think it's I think it makes sense to sort of educate ourselves on this, but 
just because we understand it or try to understand it doesn't mean we're trying to, you know, thumbs up or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. So let's take a break, take a breath as we get yeah. our heads around all of that, and we'll come back and we'll actually get into some of these questions next on Thrive Perspectives. G'day family, it's DJ here and I hate to interrupt this uh, discussion about sex, gender and sexuality but uh, I need to jump in here and say thank you to all the new subscribers to Thrive Perspectives. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in and maybe this is the first time you're listening. Trust us, we don't usually touch such hot button topics but we want to hear from you and get your opinion on the show. So please head over to Thrive Today TV, thrivetoday.tv you can give us feedback you can ask us questions you can suggest topics for us in the future one thing I wanted to let you know that in uh, in just a short while around the 10th or the 11th of July we're just putting our finishing touches on it now the 10th and 11th of July that's either a Friday or a Saturday you might be able to let us know which day suits you better it might be an evening it might be around the afternoon we're working on the details now Matthew and myself are going to do a live episode of not only Thrive Perspectives but a live 100th episode of Thrive Deep Up. That's right. We're going to be doing it live online, streaming online uh, during this whole COVID uh, pandemic, stay-at-home time. We've all gotten pretty used to uh, having discussions online and using Zoom. So why don't we use that and do our 100th episode of Thrive Deeper and another episode of Thrive Perspectives live with you online. You can give us feedback ask questions, jump in there and let us know what you think live as you're listening. This is going to be a fun experience. So stay tuned. We'll let you know over on the Facebook page and on thrivetoday.tv. Stay tuned to us on social media and we'll let you in to the 100th episode of Thrive Deeper and a live recording of Thrive Perspectives. It's so exciting. We thank you so much for your support, your encouragement and all of your wonderful questions that make these shows possible. Well, let's get back into this discussion of sex, sexuality, and gender on this episode of Thrive Perspectives. DJ here and Matthew Jacoby, Thrive Perspectives, and this is it. We're talking about sexual orientation, gender, sex, and a Christian worldview. It is the most 
requested topic for this uh, new little podcast. And here we are on the ninth episode. We're finally getting to it. Matt, we've just covered all the different, you know, language around it, the politics around it, the different views around it there from the outside. But now let's jump into the inside as Christians who are holding up a standard of God's truth and the word here. What do we do about about, about Well, let's let's start uh, with the biblical view. Yeah. Um, Let's start at the foundational level. Now, uh, and again, this is what we build our worldview on, of course, and it's the lens through which... Uh, we naturally, which we're going to look at this. So, agenda plays actually quite important role uh, in uh, in Genesis chapter one. So, there's a sense in which in Genesis chapter one, uh, you know, it says that God made them male and female, and, and there's a sense in which in their male and femaleness, yes, uh, that they together reflect God's image. So, there's a there's a, a complementary. Uh, the complementary sexes together um, reflect something about God. Yeah. Um, then we have in Genesis chapter two, we have this um, uh, this situation where uh, Adam falls into a deep sleep. Uh, he has God takes part of his side. The word uh, rib is it's probably more the word side yes. uh, that's used there and creates the woman and then it's said and the two shall become one flesh okay mm, mm. that's actually a really beautiful picture that's created there oh. and um, uh, um john walton actually interprets that one uh, prominent commentator on genesis uh interprets that as a a vision that adam has because it's used the word because the word that's used there is side um, and it's like one side; it's one half of a thing. That's mm. the, the word is often used like that. So, um, and and also when we have someone in the Bible falling into a deep sleep, it's like Abraham in Genesis fifteen. Mm. It generally precedes a vision. Mm. So he interprets uh, Adam as having a vision in which he literally is cut down the middle, and from the half is created the so that there's the woman. So there's a sense that man and woman are two halves of one whole. Beautiful. It's a beautiful Poetic, picture. artistic, yeah. just gorgeous, spiritually re- enriching, you know, all of that stuff. That's right. So, so there's a sense in the biblical worldview that man is the, that, that woman is the completion of man and man is the completion of woman. Mm. Um, and, uh, and and you know I th- I think there's there's a real beauty uh, to that so so that's that that's the biblical um, view of that and so in in the biblical terminology the the marriage of the man and the woman is termed in terms of the two becoming the one flesh and that refers back to that. Um, situation in Genesis chapter two, where you've got the joining together of two halves. So, um, man and woman are two halves of a whole, and so that is uh, when a man and a woman come together in the marriage relationship. It is the two becoming one. Amen. So that's the that's the picture that is uh, created there. So uh, that is the and and also there's a sense within that in which the one was made for the other, and the other was made for you know the one. Yes. So there's. And also there's a very rich sense of, you know, that we read through it and this this is there's some cultural baggage on here that people will bristle to both sides. But in that beautiful picture of Eden, mm. there's not one 
half is better than the no, other no. half. Oh, it's absolutely quality. Yeah, it's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the absolute quality, and that's the two halves of the of the whole are really expressing that, and mm. uh, and that gets confirmed in you know in the New Testament. Um, so, uh, so what what that means is that uh, in terms of the, uh, sexual desire, that sexual desire was made to be the thing that orients um, the two halves together mm. for that, mm. you know. And so uh, there's a sense in which, and even um, even biologically, we see that there is. Um, you know, there's a complementary factor there. And even the fact that the two becoming one in the sexual union actually is the thing through which new life is created. Beautiful. It's a beautiful, oh. uh, you know, again, a beautiful theological picture there. Uh, and, and you know, a, a new, think about this, a new being is created. It, there's this, we have this power of, you know, creation. It, obviously, you know, not unique to human beings, but uh, you know, it's a feature of life that life begets life. Mm, mm, okay, mm. and um, and and we see that though in in a, has this beautiful theological connotation of the two becoming one. That out of that unity, mm-hmm. out of that complementary unity, comes life. Mm. Um, so there's there's a wonderful um, view of that there. So. It's for this reason then that as we move on and, and as we get now, of course, we get to Genesis uh, chapter three, and what we see there is a, a fall of mankind away from uh, uh, away from God. Okay, the, there's a broken relationship with God, mm. and as a result of the broken relationship with God, there is a then a broken relationship between fellow human beings, mm-hmm. and at the end of Genesis, that is also expressed in terms of there's going to be. Uh, uh, there's going to be conflict between the man and the woman. He's going to want to rule over her and so forth. And this is where you get gender uh, inequality, mm-hmm. which is far from being endorsed by Scripture, is actually recognised as being a consequence mm-hmm. of the, the fall. fall. Yep. Okay. Uh, so because uh, that's often misunderstood as mm-hmm. though it's being endorsed. But no, mm-hmm. it's actually no, now because you have done this, uh, this is the man gonna is going to r- rule over the, you know, yep. and, 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 and that's not a good thing. And, and you know, so uh, so that's so you get this fall away from that. So this is this then once we get to the biblical law, and we did a program on uh, the biblical law in the Thrives Deeper. In the Thrive Deeper episodes. Sometimes I keep forgetting which, <laughs> which podcast we're doing. Exactly. Here, um, in ex- we, in we, the, we in covered the, the nature of, yes. of biblical law. And, and we also, you know, we covered the fact that there is, there are moral, there's the moral law. And then there's applications of that in different situations. So, yeah. and in, um, so around uh, I guess the vision that God has for sexuality. There are laws that related that relate to that. So, for example, um, in uh, Leviticus eighteen, um, it says uh, eighteen verse twenty two says, "You shall not lie with a male, as with a woman." Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and again, you shall not lie with a male as a woman. It means uh, the sexual, yeah. uh, any form of sexual act. Because again, the point is that the sexual act was made for this. Uh, yep. This complementary union between uh, the marriage. man and woman, yep. um, uh, and again in Leviticus twenty uh, verse thirteen, it's also for man uh, lies with a male as a man with a woman. Mm. Now the same thing, um, uh, Paul talks about the same thing in Genesis. Uh, sorry, in Genesis Romans, Romans uh, chapter one. 
And he says here um, from verse 26, just to take a little bit of this, uh, for this reason God gave them up to dishonourable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in them. So, so, and it, go, it goes on and talks about that. So it's actually that links back to Leviticus. So yes. uh, Paul is applying that Leviticus. And Leviticus links, links back, back to, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there's a, a fairly unbroken uh, thing going on there. So, um, so there's no doubt around, well, um, it's very clear, let me put this, it's very clear uh, the most, the plainest way to take those texts is very clear. And when when you link them back to Genesis one, uh, that um, that same sex, um, that the same uh, sex sex. Yes, yes. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah is yeah. isn't isn't within God's plan for us? Yes. Okay. That's. Yep. I mean, I, it's difficult. And I and I, I have seen and read uh, explanations that try to get away with. This. Get away from this! No, this is about unfaithfulness, or this is about idolatry, or this is about uh, other things. It's you really have to do exegetical gymnastics yes. to get round the plain meaning of those texts. Not only, not only is the is is the modern with the most like we talked about, you know, on the last episode about yep. the Bible yeah. with all the you know the different very you know the the we we stand today on you know the best. Biblical uh, textual criticism, in the, yeah, you know, yeah, ever. Yeah. Not only, uh, you know, in that science, when you're going through the interpretation like that, is it very obvious what what the writers and what God is meaning in that? But traditionally, both the Jewish and the early church, all the way up until recently, until the sexual revolution, interpreted in the in yeah, in, yeah, in, right. in the most basic of way, and that being that. God's design was for a man and a woman to come together equally in marriage and in their sexual union create yeah, life right. and you know romance attraction all of that wonderful stuff that is the picture that we see yeah. as God's normal normal thing yeah yeah that's right but yeah. also all the way through scripture in light of those verses in light of Romans in lines of other multitude of other stories yeah. we have yeah we see right early on that the that relationship and that connection between you know, men yeah. and women, men and men and women and women, we're beginning to be broken straight yeah. away. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. we see we see a corruption in yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's fairly clear in scripture. It's not that we should. It's not that we shouldn't allow what's happening in our society to cause us to go back to scripture and say, "Oh, hang on, does it really say what we think it said before?" Mm. You know, we need to always do that, mm. and we need to allow whatever circumstances to challenge our reading of scripture, mm-hmm. go back to scripture. But look. Having done that, it's very difficult. It's it, it just looks like exegetical gymnastics, as I said, yeah. uh, when people try to uh, to get around this. Mm. And I think there was a question there somehow: why is it that some di- different Christian leaders uh, differ on this? Correct. And look, w- one of the reasons why, and 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 I get this that people have you know tried to find a way around this. And, and again, this is where I, I just want to move from that perspective to the fact that for a lot of people, this is a really difficult thing, okay? You know, this is a really difficult area. And this is why we need to approach this with understanding and compassion rather than just, um, uh, you know, um, I get just pointing the finger, that's, you know, uh, that's wrong and, and that's, and I guess we don't want to be shaming people here. We don't want to be... 
um, well, missing we, the fact that this actually is a very difficult issue. So we can be clear on yes. the biblical ethics. Let's be clear on that because we're not being wishy-washy around that. Mm. But then we need to move from that to being very sensitive with how we actually um, how we communicate these things and how we talk to people because this is a struggle for a lot of people. Exactly. And, 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 and Matt, I love the fact that you set up this entire discussion on this episode in the fact that around this today in the world, in the media, in, in, in different organisations, in universities, in schools, in politics, you are shamed and shunned yeah. if you don't you don't think like us. This is mm, the yeah. right way to think. You don't think like us, out you go. Yeah. Now, I I believe strongly that the Christian worldview, mm. that the, 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 the biblical worldview loves the question, that God in himself mm. loves and has made us to go, hang on, and think about something. Yeah. So we as the church should be the champions of saying, you've got a thought. That's different from us. Come, let yeah. us reason together. Yeah, let's right. think together. Let's go to the scriptures yeah. and talk about together. We should be, and to use a triggering word for some people, and to use a word from you know from the people that uh, you know the, the woke culture. Uh, the, the thing that I love, I love. We should, as a church, be a safe space yeah, to say, come and question and reason yeah. together. There's nothing off the table. Let's talk about yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. And and. Uh, Yes, we absolutely we should be a safe space, and a space is a, a space that is loving and gracious, that allows for open uh, dialogue, and within that culture of love and grace, there can also be a sense of we can be true, and and have truthful dialogue, mm. Um, mm. and uh, talk openly about what we think and represent the Christian worldview within that. So it doesn't mean that we just abandon what we think because somehow it's insensitive or no. Again. Um, uh, this is the thing, you know, the the, the the culture that should predominate within the Christian church is a ch- culture of transformation. Yeah. No, no one of us should say, oh, this is just the way that I am. Because as soon as you become a Christian, you enter into a life of change and transformation. Okay. Mm. This idea, oh, will you just accept me as I am? Well, Yes, in your God-given identity as a, you know, like in the sense, uh, but I don't identify sexual identity with fundamental identity, Mm. okay? Mm. Um, So in terms of affirming, you know, we affirm people, but we affirm them for actually who they are in the most fundamental sense. And sexuality is, is, you know like all desire is a very fluid kind of thing. It's mm. not, as even Michael Foucault said, it's not something to base a sense of identity uh, yep. upon. Yep. So um, one of the, I mean, one of the difficulties in this issue is that, uh, you know, people who struggle with this issue say, but it's just how I am, you know, it's just, it's natural for me. Mm. Um, well, uh, I, I remember... Um, just to use another I- example uh, of that, I had a knew this guy uh, once uh, who believed that because he naturally, as a, you know, uh, he felt that we had, he believed that you know we had uh, evolved uh, and to desire more than one partner. Okay, mm. so he felt so he didn't believe that he would get married because he said it's unnatural. Okay. Mm-hmm. To, to, for a man to be with one woman. I've heard that, that many times. That's right. So, Because he, he felt, I feel that it's natural for me 
to want to sleep continuously with as many women as I possibly can. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he said, look, and as long as that doesn't hurt anyone, then, you know, that's how could that be wrong? That's the religious cry of the world. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, if you're not hurting yeah, yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, and, and so the argument there is if it's natural, if it doesn't hurt anyone, then it must be right. Now, I've had discussions around um, pornography with, with guys who say, yes. look, it's, it's just natural. And, a- and what I do in the, in the, you know, in the confines of, of my mm. own space, um, if it doesn't hurt anyone, um, then how, how could it be? Because it's natural, you know. Now, just because it's natural doesn't mean that there's not something wrong with it, okay? You know, I, I can tell you yeah. some stuff that's natural for me that nobody wants to, <laughs> nobody wants to, you know, will not stand back. It's natural for me. I've got a desire. I feel it is the core of me to eat as much junk food as I can. Right. That's natural for me. Yeah. Why wouldn't God gave me the taste buds to desire the sugar, the fats, mm. all the things that taste good. It's totally natural for me. Mm. You know what else is natural for me? I let's go let, you know and again, mm. you know what I think about evolution. I I'm, we're not going to go down that road. I don't believe in evolution, but let's say I I evolved through a series of monkeys and apes and all these different things to be able to scan my surroundings and be able to take whatever was useful for me yep. and get out of there. So when I walk into a shop, you know what's natural for me to find the things that are not nailed down, slip them up my jumper and run out of the out of the mm. thing. That's natural for me. I feel it innately in my cells, in my being. Right. That's who I am. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so that's that there's, you know, there's a problem I guess uh, with that and and look, the fact is to um and I want to hi- you know, highlight the fact that there is a fluidity to desire. Mm. Um, the fact that it's a fixed thing. And what, one, one of the problematic views is that sexuality, there's this sort of view out there that sexuality is a kind of one-way street. And uh, interestingly, um, uh, Douglas Murray says something about this. Let's see if I can find this quote here. Um, yeah, he says here, um, in society at large, when people come out as gay, they are celebrated for having arrived at their natural endpoint. Uh, for most people, uh, this is a decent recognition by society that there is no problem with them being who they are. They have arrived at the place that is natural and right for them. But one oddity of this position is that anybody who is gay and then subsequently decides that they are straight will be subject uh, not just to a degree of uh, ostracism and suspicion, um, but widespread doubt that they are being honest about them, their true selves. Mm. Okay, now remember this is written by a, a gay man. So, yeah. and and he's so I think what he's wanting to do is say, if I decide one day that I want to be straight, I, I he's saying I'm and I'm actually risking risking being ostracised. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, because it's seen as being this this kind of one way street. Well, uh, there's and uh, you know there's no. Um, there's no evidence for that. There's no evidence that this is even a hardware issue uh, at all. No, I genetically, mean, more, e- e- yeah. even if it is, you know, well, the, the, you know, where there are lots of hardware issues in a in a um, fallen world. fallen world, we can, you know, accept that there are hardware uh, issues as well. But there is actually the point is that there's actually no evidence for the fact that um, that this is a hardware issue that. Um, you know, because there is a fluidity to desire. So to to kind of nail ourselves down, uh, this is what I desire. So this is you know, um, therefore I sh- I should uh, fulfil this. 
is problematic in a number of senses. And the problem is within a Christian worldview, um, the, the, the Christian life is about the constant reformation of our desires. So, uh, so I need to be a completely different person in five years' time or in even a year time that I am now because and, – and our lives are oriented by our desires, okay? So it's mm-hmm. largely the reformation of our hearts. The Bible is, um, of course, is very much – centered on the transformation of our hearts and that's an ongoing process so if i lock if i nail down one desire this is just the way that i am then you actually you actually cannot enter the life of transformation that is really the defining aspect of the christian life um, which is about having your desires um, more and more oriented towards the things of God and, yeah. and the way that God wants us to, to desire. And that's, a, that's an ongoing process. So, um, so I think that commitment to change, mm. this is where there's a clash here mm. between those who want to say, well, are you willing, you know, are you willing to affirm my, you know, this in me? Mm. Well, look, if people want to live that way, uh, you know, I think – I think we need to be um, – uh, We give people need to w- live the way that – it's not for me to stop you living the way that you want to live, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's not even for me in, in a lot of cases to demand that it should be illegal for you to live the way that you want to live, however. Yeah. But if you're asking me to affirm uh, that is this, uh, you know, is this in God's eyes the right thing and, and can I be, um, you know, can I be a Christian and be nail – this mm. desire, mm. you know, nail myself to this way of desiring. Mm. Uh, well, the Christian life, by definition, is a life of transform, transformation, and constant change. Mm. So, the point I, is, I, any, it, anyone can be a Christian. Like any, everyone's yes. welcome. Like come in, whatever you're. And and here's the thing: don't try and deal with the issues first. You don't have to conform to a Christian ethic or a biblical way. No, you. That's why we come to God, so that God can transform us. Okay, yeah. so so we're not we should not end, no Christian community should put up walls to people that don't think uh, the way that we do, or that don't feel things, or don't desire things the way that we do. We should not put up walls mm. to those people. No, come and be a part of our community, and and there's a sense of we want you to become a Christian, but know that when you do. Everything is going to change, yeah. and in fact, you cannot even become a Christian without putting everything in God's hands for I, transformation. And, and let me just say this, as someone who, again, is all, all of the things that, you know, you know, the cisgender, the heterosexual, the happily married man, blah, blah, patriarchy, all that type of stuff, I can't even affirm myself. Yeah, you know, good like, point. Yeah, like, like affirm, affirm me. No, I know my heart. I know my mind. I know my fallenness. And the whole point of me entering into a Christianity and a relationship with God is that I am the last thing to be yeah. affirmed. I need to be changed thoroughly. Yeah. Not only do I be changed, as long as I live, as yeah. much as I change, my entire hope is pinned on nothing to do with me. Yeah. It's all on Jesus. That, that's right. See, and that brings us to a very important point that all sexuality is fundamentally broken. Mm. It's very important in the way that we talk about this issue that it it doesn't even begin to sound like you have problems and I don't. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because another very important part of the Christian worldview is that all our sex, all sexuality is broken. And there are many different forms of that brokenness, and that includes me and you, yep. and we are in a process of restoration. And that is part of the bigger picture that all sexuality is broken because all of our desires are messed up. That's right, yeah. All of our desires are messed yep. up. You know, and, and in light of that, sexuality being one of our desires is messed up like everything else, including yep. for the heterosexual, the, yep. the homosexual, the lesbian, all of it. It is all messed yep. up because all of our desires are yep. messed that's, up. Yeah, that's exactly now, right. Now, I think, I, think I think you've really done that point, you know, really, really well. So the next question that I think that we could maybe answer a bit better is you and I both have friends and we've, and we've had a lot of questions coming in by people that we know uh, and people who are listening saying, listen, for whatever reason, let's not, and we're not going to say particular reason or mm. try to paint a stereotype, I am same-sex attracted. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have always been same-sex attracted since I can remember. I'm just naturally attracted to the same sex. I'm a female. I'm attracted to female. I'm a male. I'm attracted to male. I've also been brought up in the church or I've recently gotten saved and I'm bringing it all before God but this is an area that I still struggle with because I'm hearing voices around different things. I'm struggling with my own desires. Mm. I feel like it's innately just part of who I like. Yeah. What 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 do we do, or what do we say to that to those listeners right now who are who are walking down that journey and they're mm. getting on one voice? They're saying yeah. they're, they they're getting affirmed and saying you can be that in the church, you can be that in celibate, or you have to change, or you have to. There's so many myriad voices around that for the same same sex attracted SSA. Christian, there's so many different voices out there. Yeah, there are. Well, the the first thing I guess is goes back to what we were saying before. Just because we have a desire doesn't mean that it's going to lead us in the right direction. And uh, fulfilling that desire, uh, being in a um, a same sex relationship, uh, is according to Scripture not God's plan for us. I think you know you would be in conflict with God's plan for you mm. in uh, in that. I, you know, I've said why I think that's quite clear in Scripture. Um, so the way forward is to put that in God's hands. I, I honestly, you have to, life is a conversation with God. It, the whole Christian life is a struggle with our desires. That's mm-hmm. the whole Christian life is about that. Amen. Okay, so you are actually, if you're in this situation, you are not on your own. Now, there are things that are uniquely difficult about that situation. Believe me, I've, I've you know, travelled with people, you know, in this and Same. and it, it is uniquely difficult, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Christian church needs to provide a context that provides a real sense of family and, you know, acceptance for those who, uh, who do, um, who do have these, uh, these struggles and who are willing to struggle like we all do because we're all struggling mm-hmm. uh, with ourselves and we're taking hold of, uh, of God and allowing God to lead us through and transform us bit by bit by bit. Okay, yeah. but whatever you do, don't don't be a stick in the mud and say this is just the way that I am. No, if you're going to live the Christian life, you have to put everything up for grabs. Yeah. Okay, so just yeah. put yourself in God's hands. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of you know what what are the steps and what uh, you know how can how can I, it's not going to be. It's not going to be solved overnight for a lot of people. It's not even solved. I mean, I think there are certain inclinations and desires we have, uh, even as heterosexuals, right through our lives that we just actually just yeah. need to, you know, need to curb and and um, and bring under control. And 
have boundaries around and so forth. It's just an element of life, okay? So I know that for a lot of people that might sound, that's not very compassionate, you know, we should allow people to fulfil their desires. But we've already talked about why that is a really problematic point of view because if we apply that in every space, we're going to – it leads to real problems. So – I say put this in God's hands, journey with God and just see what God does. Yeah, yeah. I've got one last question that I think that we need to really be clear as we wrap up this conversation on this episode. This is for, I think this is for mostly for people who aren't walking down same-sex attractedness or any, and I hate to use this word, I don't use it, mean it in a derogatory way, but a confusion around, you know, gender and sexuality and fluidity Mm. around that. Usually... People who are, you know, very settled in their sexuality mm. or their gender and everything like that, they are yelling at you and they're yelling at me right now mm. saying, okay, I hear what you're saying and I understand this, but I want you to come to my daughters or my sons and, you mm. know, bless their wedding. They're getting, mm. you know, their, their gay marriage. Lesbian, whatever it is, in transgender, mm. poly, you know, amorous, whatever, whatever yeah. it is, right? I want you to be a part of that. You, you need to be, and you need to speak into that. They're like, so it's a sense of, and I want you to be really clear here, Matt. Affirmation. We've just we've mentioned that word. It's affirmation and approval of particular types of lifestyles, and we've already said. We're not trying to legalise anything. We're not trying to stop Mm. anybody legally from doing anything. This is our moral framework, our biblical outlook of the world. We have a certain conviction. What happens when the two come in conflict? Yeah. So, look, in general, I I always tend to lean towards letting people do the wrong thing. Uh, You know, because I I think... Like I want to focus on the gospel and, and the gospel uh, is best in a society uh, where it just all all Christian ethics aren't just enforced by law because it just re- creates resentment. Yes. Okay? Now, look, people might disagree with, with that and, and there are so many qualifications I'd want to bring to that that, you know, uh, yeah. that's probably another a topic. And, in fact, we've pl- we're planning to do an episode on, on Christianity and politics and yes. how those two do yep. or don't intersect. The law, uh, intersect. all of that, yeah. Yeah, all of that. So we will we'll, we'll do that. Um, so, you know, so I, uh, I think, you know, even with our kids, there, there, are points that, there are points to which we need to let them do the wrong thing to this extent, you know. And, um, and so, but it's a different question to what extent am I going to participate in that? So, for example, as a marriage celebrant, I, I, I would not. I don't feel that I could, or that I would marry uh, a same-sex couple. Mm. Okay, I would draw the line there. Now, uh, I'd say, look, there's civil celebrant. You know, the civil celebrants. You, you know, um, off you go. You know, yep. go maybe talk to one of those guys because this is. You know, I, I don't feel like I can put my stamp. Uh, on that, okay. Now that's just my convictions, and I'm glad that we still live in a society that allows me to live by my convictions. But that act may not be the case mm. uh, for for long, even. Mm. Okay, mm. it would be really pity, if, a real pity, if we live in a society where I was made to do something that was against your own personal my, convictions. My own personal convictions. Uh, unfortunately, with the dogmatism of our society, uh, we may be pushed into a place where that's not the case, but. Mm. 
Um, now the question: Would I go? You know, would I go to? And these hypothetical questions are very difficult here. Do, do I go um, to this? I've been invited to this uh, same-sex uh, wedding. Mm. You know, do I go to that? I, um, I I don't think that's a simple, clear-cut issue. I, know, I mean, I'd be interested uh, to see what you think about this, but. In many ways, I would lean towards not choosing my battles. I, I'm a big one for choosing my battles, okay? So I, I would want to lean over that line to show that I'm not against someone as much as possible, even to the point of um, risking being misunderstood, being for, in favour of their behaviour because, you know, um, I guess I'm, not, I, I'm really not a fan of moralising at people um, non-Christians, I don't believe, can if they don't share our worldview, they cannot understand our moral dialogue. Yep. They cannot understand uh, our moral dialogue if they don't share our worldview. Mm. We only change our worldview when our hearts have been changed by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's that's how a change of worldview comes about. Okay? Yes. So I can't expect this person to understand what I think ethically if they don't share my worldview. Okay. So what what people need in order to have a transformation of worldview is is an is actually the power of the gospel in their world. So I will do almost anything to preserve a relationship so that I can continue to share the gospel so that people can experience the wonderful transformation that I am now experiencing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that and that's your conviction. And this is and this is where I think we're getting now, into Now I, I haven't answered that question out straight by the way. I, yeah. I would I would I would look at each situation, each situation on its merits. But that's the, my general guiding principle yeah. in making that decision. And I and I, and I know in, in my experience, I mean, I was a wedding photographer for 23 years yeah. uh, and I've done photographs for every different type of relationship and couple you can yeah, think yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, professionally, you know, servicing the community in that way yeah. is, is one thing. Then, you know... Emotionally investing and affirming or approving yeah, yeah, something yeah. is totally different. Uh, you know, uh, there's, you know, uh, am I being a hypocrite if I say yes to this couple over here where I know the guy, you know, is a bit of a cad and I photograph that yeah, wedding, yeah. but I say no to this, yeah. you know, homosexual couple over here. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different ramifications. Yeah, there. And th- you could say, for, for example, you could you could go to that wedding because you want to say, I affirm you and I affirm your right mm. to do what you are choosing to do. Okay, yeah. and, and in a sense, I do. I do affirm that person. I do affirm their right, even to make what I might believe is, is the wrong decision. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, in, in general, I would, I would lean towards preserving the relationship to create a context in which... Yeah, you know, and I think that's your. I past- can share that's the your, wonderful uh, thing that I have, and, and, and that's your pastoral heart received. and your heart for the gospel. I, I, I've met I've met um, other uh, very committed evangel- evangelists, uh, evangelicals, yeah. sorry, uh, evangelical um, pastors who are very fundamental in their beliefs and their outview, and they and I've met diametrically opposed people who would say, oh, "Well, of course I can't because yeah. of this," but then people who are really fundamentalists who are saying I would consider it an absolute privilege mm. to to sanction this wedding because I get to speak into their life mm. and they're inviting me into the most private moment of their life and I can represent Jesus there. And mm. I'm like, 
wow, my little head was blown there. But it's yeah. I don't know if there's a if we can yeah, say I'm sort there's of somewhere in between there. I, I, you know, and and, yeah. and always in a fluid kind of way because. You know, when we're talking about, we talk about situations and you talk in the hypothetical, this is an issue about people. Mm. And I think it's probably a good place to finish. Mm. This is real people dealing with real things. And we share that experience. Mm. We share that experience. We're all Mm. people struggling to become the people that we're created to be. Mm. And it is a struggle. And. I think that we need to give a a whole lot of grace to each other in that. We need to continue to point each other to God. God has the answers here for each one of us. And uh, we should not try to force the situation. Um, We should, um, above all, hold on to grace, love and truth in all things. listening to Thrive Perspectives, we want to hear from you. So send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now visiting the website ratethispodcast.com slash thrive perspectives really helps us reach more people so head to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive perspectives we hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive was another DJP.FM production.